Over the last few weeks, actually nine weeks, we've been walking through the book of Romans. I hope you've enjoyed this sermon, the series that we have been in. I, I tell you, it, it, is, it has radically touched my heart as we've been preparing it, our team's heart. The book of Romans, again, written by the apostle Paul. He'd been preaching for some 25 years. You've heard me say that every week. And his message concerning the cross of Jesus and what he'd been declaring had had gotten distorted. You've heard me say that over the last several weeks. And why do I want to keep reinforcing that is simply this. If we're not careful, the message of Christ can get distorted, right? If, if the people of God are not walking this Jesus thing out like we should be doing, if we don't stay yielded to him, we can distort the message of of Jesus. So the Apostle Paul sat down. He wrote the book of Romans, writing to a group of uh, believers. Many believe there was pockets of believers, so like multiple churches made up of Jews and Gentiles. Again, people who were raised in a faith and a belief in God, others coming maybe even out of just total paganism, no background. Some of you are here today, and you'd say, okay, I fit in one of those categories. Either A, I was raised in church around the faith, or some of you are here today, you were never raised in church. All this is brand new, and they're, and they're all placed together. So keep in mind, the context of the book of Romans is Paul is writing to believers, and why that's so important is, is this. We've, context is everything when you're reading scripture, right? So Paul is talking to people, let me say it this way, who should know better, okay? And they were in conflict, different things going on, but Paul, right off the bat, Romans chapter one, he just simply declares it. It's his thesis statement for the entire book. He says this, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Folks, we need to continue to celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ. It is because Jesus went to the cross and paid the penalty for our sin that you and I go free. Can I have an amen? Paul says it is the power of God unto salvation. That, that word just means supernatural power of God. You've heard me hammer this week after week. The greatest miracle there is, is that you and I are right with God because of what Jesus did. Can I have an amen? And how do we get on it? He says this, it is a righteousness achieved by faith. Then he quotes it this way, for the, for the righteous shall live or shall walk this thing out by faith. So how am I right with God as a result of the Christ, uh, cross of Christ? By faith. By faith. Well, pastor, I don't feel, there are gonna be some days we're, we're, we're gonna be more in the faith side than we are in anything else. You ever have a day you don't feel saved? Oh, I'm sorry, did I just get real here? There are, now listen, especially if you're a new believer, you need to hear this today, you're watching online. There are gonna be some days where you're not feeling it. That's normal. Don't throw your hands up and walk away from Jesus because you're having one of those days, one of those weeks, one of those months, one of those decades. How many of you, okay, don't, let's not go there. Keep it real though. There are some days it's by faith. How am I at peace with God? By faith. How am I right with God? By faith. Well, Jamie, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I'm so thankful that the cross is not real contingent in its power in my life on, on my feelings. The cross works, the cross is true despite how I feel, just like the entire Bible, okay? By faith, by faith. That word faith, and you've heard me break it down in the Greek, it's, it's, a, it's a word that just simply means you can put your, all of your trust in it. You can put all of your weight in the cross of Jesus Christ. 
the message of the gospel. If you're here today and you say, Jamie, my past is heavy. (laughs) Jamie, my weekend was heavy. It will never break the cross. Jamie, my guilt and shame is heavy. Um, Even how I'm living right now, it's, it's just heavy. Folks, it'll never break the cross of Christ. You can put all your weight in the cross of Christ. Give him a huge round of applause. He deserves it this morning. Okay, so in the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11, which is where we've been up until now, are known as the Apostle Paul's greatest theological treatise, meaning it's doctrine, um, it's, 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 it's all of the, the heavy stuff of the faith. And many of you, I, I've received emails and letters from you, even, even in the hallways, you said, man, I never heard it broken down like that. And some of you are like, I was even afraid of the word doctrine before. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to be afraid of anything in the word of God? And so, so Paul just hammers out doctrine and this is what we believe and this is why we believe it. One of the greatest things coming out of it is the whole justification by faith, right? So when we slip into Romans chapter 12, it's as if the apostle Paul is changing gears, okay? So one through 11 is doctrine, it's practice, it's the, it's the weighty stuff. And then from 12 forward, it's the apostle Paul goes, it's like him saying, okay, so now here we go. This is how, this is how you walk it out. And some of us, maybe you're here today and you're like, okay, good stuff, but how do I walk it out on Monday morning, right? How do I walk it out in the restaurant after church? How do I walk it out when my spouse and I have a disagreement this afternoon? And, and so that's where we're gonna be for the next uh, little bit here is, is how the apostle Paul tells us how to, how, to, how to live this thing out. So Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse one, Paul says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many of you have heard this before? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's break that down. Uh, real quick. So he said, I I urge you in view of God's mercy. So he said, in light of everything we just talked about over the last several weeks, and if you missed it the last several weeks, go back and and look at it and really kind of catch up here. In fact, if you were with us last week, you saw the nation of Israel come under attack. And last week, I'm telling you, God and his providence, we were preaching on Israel. Wasn't that amazing? I'm still blown away by it. The Lord had had that teed up for us, okay? So, so therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, in light of everything we've talked about, offer yourselves as, he says, living sacrifices. He used that word very, very directly, and I'll tell you why. Under the, uh, under the Jewish law, the sacrificial system, blood had to be spilled for the forgiveness of sins. So many of you are familiar with this. They would offer that spotless lamb. The lamb would come to the altar alive, the lamb would be killed, the blood would be spilt, and before you sit there and go, oh, well, that's just crazy. Yeah, 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 you know, I, don't, you know, I, don't, I would never want to believe in a God that would be blood involved. Let's just keep it real, okay? Listen to me. Most of us, you've heard me say this before as your pastor, have lived enough life, made enough mistakes that you know an I'm sorry will never eradicate the sin in your life. Somebody, something had to pay. That was the old sacrificial system. And that was that spotless lamb. 
Jesus became that spotless lamb under the new covenant, amen? That's why we don't offer sacrifices anymore. But even pagans would have understood blood sacrifice. So when Paul used this terminology, everybody would have been connecting with it, a living sacrifice. They're like, well, no, no, sacrifices die. They come to the altar alive, but they die. And Paul says, this, as your true act of worship, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Now, that's a, that's a major statement, and I'm going to tell you why. When we come to the Lord and we worship as a living sacrifice, we physically don't die, but spiritually, my old self does. Y'all tracking with me? So my true act of worship is as a living sacrifice. So the old Jamie is dead and gone. Does that make sense? But I live in a newness of life. I don't get to live the same way I want to. This is huge, especially for some of you that are new to church, because this is the opposite of what the world is telling us. Oh, you got a little religion. You're okay. That's not what Paul is saying right here. You are a living sacrifice. You have died to your old self, your old mentality, your old way of life, your old sin, the world system. You have died to that. And when we walk this thing out, that's our true, act of, our true act of worship. He says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What a heavy statement, right? We live in a world that wants us to look, act, and think just like it. I love that everybody thinks that they're all individuals. Do you ever just sit back and laugh? I'm unique. I'm an individual. I don't, I don't act like anybody else. The world is trying to conform us into its pattern. And Paul, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, says, you want to walk this thing out? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, that word transformed, by the renewing of your mind, the word transforming, the original language, is where we get our modern word for metamorphosis. It means to change from the inside out. Now, this is huge because the world applies external pressure, doesn't it? Parents, that's why I think it's important to talk to our kids about God's word, about the things that are going on. Don't ever shy away from what's going on in the world. Don't ever be afraid to talk to your young people, your, your kids, your grandkids about things in the world. The Bible has the answers, amen? So the world will try to apply external pressure to get us to conform, to, to fall in line. And Paul says, that's not how believers live. We are transformed. We are changed from the inside out, okay, which is awesome because the moment you and I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God is living on the inside of us. Paul says this in Philippians 1, 6, that he who begins a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion. When? Until the coming of Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful? So, so what am I trying to say is God doesn't give up on us. He's going to work on us from the inside out. That's how that, that's how that change, that true change takes place, okay? If you're taking notes today, there's about three things that I, that I want us to get. And, and why does the Apostle Paul want us to get these things and, and walk these things out? So when you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, we don't, let me say this, we don't get to blend in anymore. In fact, a believer can't blend into this world. And let me tell you something, as, as the world slips more and more into chaos, which is what it's supposed to do, so don't freak out, don't get fearful, we don't have to be fearful, right? 
Bible says his love drives out fear, but we're going to stand out more and more. You heard the phrase stick out like a sore thumb. That's a believer. So, so let me say it this way. When I was growing up and my friends could do something, uh, their parents would allow them to do things that my parents would not allow me to do. I, I used to complain to my mom and dad, right? And I would say, yeah, but their parents let them do that as if their parents were better, right? And my dad would say something to the effect and he would say it with a smile on his face. But how many of you know when your parents smile in a certain way, that's not a good thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? That's typically a smile of, A, there's witnesses right now. Or that smile communicates, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. And probably make another one just better than you. Okay, no. But my dad would follow up with a statement of like this, well, guess what? They're not your parent. I'm your parent. They're not your dad. I'm your dad. What he was saying is, is hey, you're not theirs. You're mine. And this is, how we're gonna, this is how we're going to act. And ultimately, this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, you don't belong to the world. You belong to him. Paul would have us get this. And if you're taking notes, three things I want you to get. Here's the first one. As believers, we selflessly serve. We selflessly serve. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse three. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Let me pause there for just a second. I think that's a, that's a wonderfully freeing statement. Paul is saying, don't, um, don't, don't, don't be self-deprecating. Don't, don't look at yourself, oh, I'm worthless and I'm horrible. You know, have you, how many of you ever been around those people? They like, you can, when they start talking, it's like you have your, your like energy level and it just starts dropping, right? You know, That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, have an actual view of yourself. Okay, I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. I'm so thankful that, that at the cross of Christ, the ground is level. Can I have an amen? So, so Paul's saying, but be realistic. And I think it's, it's good for us, for us to look at ourselves in the mirror from time to time and go, you know what? I am so thankful. I am forgiven. I am made new. I am right with God. I'm not good enough, but thank God Jesus was good enough. Today's a new day. Can I have an amen? His grace and mercies are new every morning. Paul goes on to say, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. Verse five, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. What what a huge statement. Again, and Paul does this in Corinthians as well. When he talks about the church, he speaks of a body, the body of Christ. So what does that mean? When we come to Christ, we don't come to Christ and then live out on our own. If you've ever met somebody who says they are a Christian and does not belong to a church, they're typically somebody who is weird. I just said it real, didn't I? Okay, my wife's eyes got this big. Okay, keep it real, folks, am I right? Do you go to church? No, I don't go to church. You just know immediately, that's when you see my eyes do this because I'm like, that's, they're weird. Um, and let's keep it real. Christians who try to detach from the body relationally, spiritually, they're not healthy. 
We were, when we, when we are born into the family of God, we are now joined to the body of Christ. And that's what the apostle Paul is trying to say right there. We, uh, though, so in Christ, we, though many form one body and each member belongs to the others. That's the relationship that we have with other people. We perform a spiritual function in the body of Christ. Paul goes on to say this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. Some of you are great encouragers, and I bet you never once thought about that actually being a spiritual gift. If it is giving, then give generously. Paul's not talking about tithing here. Tithing is assumed because that's fundamental for all believers, amen? And if I just offended you and you're on your way out the door, when you get to your new, your new church, tithe when you get there. What Paul is talking about right there is, 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 is giving above. If you have a gift of giving, then, then do so generously. I have known people throughout the years whose gift was giving, was giving. If it is to lead, then lead diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Here we have another list. This is not an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts, but Paul is, is calling them out. And what he was saying is your gift that God has given you is used to build up the body of Christ. Now, let me say this. When it comes to spiritual gifts, pride can be a real problem. Pride can be a real issue. I think that's why the Apostle Paul right at the beginning he said, think of yourselves in sober judge or sober attitude and be realistic about yourself. Because when we begin to operate under gifts, if we're not careful and realize it is a gift from God, and I think it's all about me and it's to make me look good and give me a platform and, and that sort of thing. That let me just say it right now, that I think social media can be a two-edged sword right here. Spiritual gifts do not always equate to spiritual maturity. Can I say that again? Spiritual giftedness does not equate always to spiritual maturity. You can have a lot of gifts and not have maturity. If that's the case, if, if your maturity level does not rise to your giftedness level, you will implode. Spiritual gifts are given, they are not earned. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Don't ever stop and, and, and say to yourself, man, I just wish I, was, I wish I was that person. I wish I could do this. I, I wish I could do that. God didn't get you wrong when it came to your gifts. You say, Jamie, I don't know what my gifts are. Then you need to go to the Woodlake Way. And we'll help you find your gifts that are here at Woodlake. For some of you, it's going to be hospitality. I am so thankful for all of our greeters. Give them a huge round of applause. In fact, I believe it. That's where the altar call starts. I'm so thankful for all of our children's workers. Give them a huge round of applause. Wow. I'm so thankful for all of our altar workers. Give them a huge round of applause. I'm so thankful for all of our people that go out during the week and, and visit the sick and help people with projects at home. Give them a huge round of applause, right? I could go on and on and on and on, but you have a gift and I want to encourage you to use it. And why? What does the apostle Paul say? Listen, my, my, my giftings will help build up the body. Your giftings will help build up the body. He says this to the Corinthian church. All these work are the work of the one and the same spirit that distributes them to each one just as he determines. So ask this question. 
did I benefit the body of Christ this week? Did I benefit the body of Christ this week? Listen to me. We live in a world that one of the major mindsets is what can I get? We are consumers. That is an anti-Christ state of mind. Pastor's saying some pretty weighty things here today, so everybody dig in, okay? Ask the question, with the gifts God has given me, did I benefit the body of Christ? Well, Jamie, my gift is, 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 is critique. That's not a gift. Have you ever met those? In fact, I'm gonna empower you. I'm gonna deputize you right now. If you are with, and they could be right here sitting next to you today. If they go out and they always have an opinion about church, you know what I'm talking about? Those people always talk a certain way, right? Just when they take a breath, say, what did you do for the body of Christ? What did you do? I know I'm getting real direct with you here today, but Paul's saying this is how you, all the stuff from 111, yay! Number 12, verse chapter 12, this is how we're walking it out. My giftings are not for me, they're for you. Your giftings are not for you, they're for us. Did you benefit the body of Christ this week? Let me just make a real quick statement. Be careful about being critical about a church or the body of Christ. I'm not saying don't be real, but Jesus loves his bride. Can I have an amen? Therefore, we need to love the bride of Christ, the church. Amen? Okay. There was a, a missionary by the name of George Scott. Missionary to China. How he got there was this. He, he only had one leg. And he was thought of as basically an invalid and couldn't do anything. But, but he heard the great Hudson Taylor preaching about what God was doing and, and offered himself. George offered himself to go to China and serve as a missionary. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary said, with one leg, why do you think you can do anything for God as, as a missionary? And, and, and George Scott simply said this, well, I don't see very many people with two legs going. In fact, one, one storyteller said this, that when he would go to the door to witness to somebody, if they tried to slam the door in his face, he'd just stick his wooden leg out there. Right? What am I trying to say? You may be sit, sitting here today and you have never operated in, in a gift to benefit the body of Christ. Maybe you have somehow on some level disqualified yourself. I want you to relax. You weren't qualified in the first place. Can I have an amen? But it is God who gifts. Can I have an amen? And if you have a pulse, you have a gift. Amen. And part of your discipleship and part of your growth is begin to exercise your giftedness within the body. Maybe church isn't boring. Maybe you're just not active. Maybe the messages aren't dead. You've just stopped growing. Pastor's preaching today. Ouch. I love you. But do something. Amen. Get up in the spirit and do something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you need to sign up to be an altar worker. Some of you need to go on a missions trip. Every one of you need to work in the kids ministry. Who 
I'm serious. Remember, Paul's talking to believers. Here's the second thing. Paul would want us to know that our love is active. He goes on to say, love must be sincere. That word there actually means he's a hypocrite. You can't be a hypocrite. And before we sit there and go, yeah, I know the church is full of hypocrites. You've heard me say it before, but the church is full of a lot of other things. Hypocrites not really high up on the list. That's just a catchphrase that people use so they don't have to come to church. Can I have an amen? All right. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Let's break that down, okay? Paul gets real direct. He, he kind of hits us where we live. Be, be, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. That's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? Boy, myself likes itself, right? Be devoted. That word devoted in the original language has the connotation. It, it, it suggests a, a family devotion or a family affection. That means you have to treat me like your brother. Sometimes that's good. <laughs> How many of you know that's a special relationship? I need to treat you like my brother or sister. Paul is saying like this, you have to treat each other like family. And I love that idea because let's just keep it real. We have family members that we love and we have family members we don't love as much. But we still have to love them, right? They are in a different category. If someone comes to me for help, if, the, if I'm not related to them, that's just different, right? But if a family member comes to me for help, they're just in a different category. And Paul is saying, that's how we need to look at a fellow believer. I need to be devoted to you. We need to be devoted to one another. Why? As a family member. So what do I need to do? Probably show up. Y'all okay this morning? Use my gifts. Speak life. Encourage. There's some days you're just going to need a hug. You ever just need a hug some days? When you come into the house of God, boy, we should expect that. He goes on to say, don't lose your spiritual fervor in serving and loving. That word, uh, spiritual fervor, in the, in the original language, it, it means um, a, a boiling or burning. Don't, don't lose your fire in serving the Lord. Maybe some of us are here today and we've stopped serving the Lord because we've just, we've just lost our fire. Well, we need the help of the Holy Spirit to keep that rekindled, amen? Don't lose your fire. Be faithful in prayer. The apostle Paul understood that, that, that a consistent prayer life is, is, can, be, can be challenging. Paul is not simply talking about being consistent. He's talking about being persistent. That's huge. Prayer is normal for a believer. Prayer is like breathing in and out. Amen? We need to pray. In fact, let me pause here for just a moment. 
and I'm, I'm talking, Paul's talking to believers. Let me talk to the believers here. Our prayer service on Wednesday nights is probably the most important service of the week. And I wanna invite you to be there. You say, Pastor, don't make me feel guilty. I can't be there all the time. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I want us to prioritize prayer in the house of God. Can we do that? Wednesday night, 6.30. I know we got a lot of stuff going on, but our priority is the prayer service where we come and seek the power and presence of God. In fact, we are seeing healings, Pastor Brandon, aren't we? We're already hearing testimony of God doing miraculous things. We're in a series right now on healing on Wednesday night. This Wednesday night, we're having an evangelist Mark Perky, who's going to be here and share his testimony of miraculous healing. Then we're going to pray for healing. So we're going to believe for healing Wednesday night. I, I want you to be there. Maybe some of you, you don't come to prayer on Wednesday night. Come. Maybe some of you, it's been a while. Come. We're going to see God do some, some amazing miracles. Then he, then, um, then he says this. He says, practice hospitality. This is huge. Practice hospitality. In the original language, Paul is actually talking about pursuing a friendliness to strangers. Practice hospitality. One of the greatest compliments that this church can receive or you as an individual believer can receive is that you're friendly. What am I trying to say? If you're saved, some of us need to notify our face. Think, I think it was Pastor Brandon that called it, some of us have a resting Pharisee face. Anybody happy that you're saved? You're set free? You're right with God? I don't have to worry about tomorrow. God's already got tomorrow taken care of. Amen. God's got it all worked out. Notify your face. Jamie, I'm an introvert. You can be a friendly introvert. On Wednesday nights, if you're here for dinner and someone sits down, they go, invite them to sit. Well, Jamie, I'm an introvert. I can only deal with one person at a time. Well, if all the introverts deal with one person, come on. That's a lot of people. And then you're like me. Some of you are like me. I'm like, sit down. There's not a chair. Sit on the table. You got extroverts out there who can handle more. That's okay. But practice hospitality to strangers. So, so Woodlakers, let me say this. When people come, every Sunday we have guests that come into our church, all three services. In fact, if you stick around for the 1130 service, that's been our highest volume of guests. In fact, some of you just need to stick around in the hallways and practice smiling. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be weird. People drinking coffee just going. But just do it. Just do it. Jamie, I feel weird. Join the club. But why do I want to do what Paul says? It's how I walk it out, that I'm practicing hospitality to strangers in particular. There are going to be people coming to not just Woodlake, but every church in Tulsa. And listen, I don't need to keep my head down and, and, and going home because I got X, Y, and Z to do. God, do I need to stop and smile at somebody? Welcome somebody. Buy them a cup of coffee. Come on. Spiritual fervor. Then he, then he says this, be patient in affliction. Paul is talking to believers. I'm almost done. Listen to me. Inside the body of Christ, there's going to be lots of opportunity for affliction. I'm not even talking about out there in the world. Just within the body, there is affliction and friction. That's normal. 
Don't bail on a church, or if you're visiting with us today on your church, just because there's, there's friction or affliction, there's gonna be plenty of opportunity for it. Well, Jamie, I'm offended. There's gonna be tons of opportunity for offense. In fact, let me, in fact, write this down. Maybe ask yourself the question, am I somebody given to be offended a lot? Am I given to that? Because would you agree with me? If I am looking to be offended, I will always find a way to be offended. Always. And there's some days that I just, I'm easily offended. You ever been there before? Having a bad day? Somebody says the wrong thing. I'm like, you said the wrong thing. Not today. Sometimes those things are satanically timed. I'm already kind of wounded. I'm already a little depressed. I'm already a little down. I'm already having got, got some stress going on. And somebody says that one thing. That's satanic. But listen, uh, just Paul says be patient in that. Be patient. Here's the last thing. Paul tells us how to deal with it. He says we, we fight for peace. Well, that's kind of a, on words, isn't it? Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. What? Let me say that again. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible. And that's a, that's a big statement. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Some of you are like, I have a spiritual gift of cursing. It may be a spiritual gift, but it's the wrong kind of spirit. Right? <laughs> we'll pray that spirit out of you. <laughs> this, little, this little run of scripture right here is so opposite of the world, isn't it? Rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, there are times I need to say, Lord, I need you to help me with this. Maybe because I'm insecure, I'm jealous, whatever. You ever been there before? Lord, help me rejoice with those who rejoice. Because if we're a body, if one part of the body benefits, we all benefit, right? Mourn with those who mourn. Mourn with those who mourn. Paul says we share, when someone's hurting, we share that in the body. Live in harmony with one another. Have you ever, I'm not a musical person, but um, have you ever been and, and heard an orchestra when they're warming up and each part, just, it sounds like total chaos when they're warming up. Bryce could help me, he's the music guy. But when they come together in harmony, it's powerful, isn't it? When the body of Christ 
is harmonized, it is powerful. Amen. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Um, Let's just keep it real. There are going to be people, and he, he follows that up by saying, don't be conceited. By world standards, there will be people that, that come into the body by, by the world standards in low position. And Paul says, that's not how God sees him. And what he's talking to believers is this, be willing to associate, be willing to be connected, be willing to be uh, recognized with them. Be, be willing to do that. In fact, Woodlakers, let me say this. If you see somebody that comes in and they look like they need a friend, that's you. Be willing to be associated. Well, Jamie, how can I do that? As I seem to remember, Jesus was referred to as a friend of sinners. When our Savior died on a cross, he died between two thieves. Are you with me? Scripture says some have entertained angels and not realized it. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what's right in everyone's eyes. Folks, we live in a world that it'd be so easy just to, you, you ever have your verbal bullets just loaded and ready to go? If they say this, they finna get it. Oh, I got that one loaded. Here's the action step. Woodlake family, take the bullets out of your verbal gun. Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, but what, I'm supposed to just lay there and take it? Paul is not insinuating that at all. What he's saying, as a believer, this is how we fight. This is fighting. I, I tell my staff this often, and many of you have heard me do this illustration, that when we come into an inflamed situation, a difficult situation, just have in your mind that in your hand are two pails, one's full of gas and one's full of water. What are you going to put on it? I'm real good with the gas part. Anybody? Then he says this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace. Paul recognizes there are limits. There are some people that just refuse peace, right? But Paul says, as far as it depends on you, don't add to the conflict. That doesn't mean we stay locked in it. But live at peace, do what's right with them. Do not take revenge, he says, leave room for for God's wrath. God can sick them better than we can sick them with the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said this, blessed are the peacemakers. Live at peace or live peaceably with with all men. That's in contrast to the world. The world wants us to live in contention and not peace, and that's not the will of God. Now, Paul's not saying that we compromise our beliefs. Nowhere in that did he say, well, then you affirm every sinful thing that's going on in the world. That's not what he's saying at all. But how many of you know, I can love somebody and not agree with them? Verse 20, 
On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Ooh, I don't like this part. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. I like that part. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is how we fight for peace. They need something, you bless them. You bless them. You bless them. That phrase, heaping coals of fire, is actually a, 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 um, uh, an Egyptian phrase, an old phrase that literally means it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn on them so much that they'll eventually change their mind. Right? Because I'm going to show them not my love, but the love of God. And that will have a greater effect on them than my fighting. That's how we conquer evil. There was an article written just recently, put out by the Mayo Clinic, that talked about the physical and psychological benefits of simply being kind. Listen to this. Kindness has been shown to increase self-esteem, empathy, and compassion, and improve the mood. If, if it can decrease blood pressure and cortisol, hormone directly correlated with stress levels, people who give of themselves in a balanced way also tend to be healthier and live longer. Kindness can increase your sense of connectivity with others, decrease loneliness, combat low mood, and improve relationships. Also can be contagious, encouraging others to do to others to join in in their own generous deeds. Looking for ways to show kindness can give something to focus on, especially if you are anxious or stressed out in certain social situations. When it talks about the mind, psychology uh, says this, psychologically, kindness can positively change your brain by boosting levels of serotonin and dopamine. Their neurotransmitters produce feelings of satisfaction and well-being and cause the pleasures and reward centers in your brain to light up. Endorphins, your body's natural painkiller, also will be released when you show kindness. Why would I read you that? I just love it when science and psychology affirm the Bible. Right? Paul tells us this is how we walk it out. Now, I know if you're like me, as we've been through that passage of scripture and I'm done, it can be painful. We need the help of the Lord, amen? I'll end with this. St. Augustine, before he was St. Augustine, Augustine, you may have heard him this, had lived a pretty sinful life. And after he was saved and living for the Lord and, and serving in ministry, one, one author said this, that he was walking down the street one day and he saw one of the mistresses that he used to spend time with. And she said to him, Augustine, it is I. He tried to ignore her and keep walking, and she followed after him, and shouting all the more, Augustine, it is I. And finally, Augustine stopped in the middle of the street. He simply said this, yes, but it is no longer I. That's what happens when we come to Christ. And if you're here today, I want to remind us, believers, it is no longer I. Paul says this, it is no longer I that live, but that Christ lives in me. That's how we walk this thing out, amen? And if you're here today and you'd say, Jamie, that's me. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I want you to hear this. God loves you, and there is nothing you can do about it. The word says that God loved us so much, he gave his only son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sin, amen? 
That's why Paul said it, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God, and, and it is the power of God to set you free, for you to walk out here today sit, uh, uh, forgiven and, and right with God. And if that's you here today, I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus. You say, how do I do it? The Bible says it this way, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you need to call upon the name of the Lord here today, I just want to give you the opportunity to do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place? I want everyone, if you're here today, you say, Jamie, that's me. I need to ask the Lord for forgiveness. I need to be right with God. I need to call on his name today and be a part of the family of God, the body of Christ. If that's you on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? Just hold it up for just a moment. We're all gonna pray. Here we go. One, two, three. That's me. We hold it up. That's me. Pastor, I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I'm gonna leave here forgiven. Anybody, if you're watching online, you let us know right now. Anybody in the house? Amen. I'm gonna invite everyone to pray this prayer with me. Would you say it? Dear Jesus, you are the son of God. You died for me, for my sin, in my place. Come into my life, forgive me, and make me new. And from this day forward, with your help, I'm all yours. In your name I pray, amen.